From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. And our guest is Julie Alvin, who's the Senior Vice President of Content at The Skim. Hello, Julie. Hello. Thank you for having me. So you were telling us before we started that you've been at the skim for two years. But before you tell us a little bit about your background, which actually sounds quite interesting, tell us what the skim is for those who don't know about it, because it's Mm -hmm. a pretty targeted audience. So it may be that not everyone knows about it. Um, Yeah, so the skim is a media company focused on serving millennial women, women in general, Mm. um, helping them navigate the world around them, break down complex topics and figure out how to take action that's right for them in the categories we play in. So we cover news, wellness, parenting, shopping, Mm -hmm. money, um, all sort of necessity driven areas of our readers um, and users and audience members lives um, in helping them kind of figure out how to not navigate a complicated world, make positive progress mm. um, towards their goals um, and also just sort of understand the news and how it impacts them. So we started uh, with our flagship product, which is a newsletter called The Daily Skim mm-hmm. that is daily and um has the aim of educating women about what's going on in the world, demystifying complicated topics and helping them understand, you know, how what's going on in the news impacts them and what choices they can make um, based on that information. Yeah, I remember. I grown think, into, well, before you get no, to let's go back to that <laughs> newsletter, because I remember that it was it, I used to get it on my Facebook newsfeed ads for it. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. they, they I think the pitch was, you know, you don't have time to read everything. So we read it yep. and we explain it to you in a way that makes sense in your lives. Mm. I think that yep. was the focus. And, and skim, I'm sure, right? I guess, yeah. Is that where it came from? Skim, the skim. <laughs> yes, exactly. Skimming sort of the entire world of yeah. news and figuring nice. out, you know, what the um, topics, trending topics are that are most relevant to this generation of women, mm. and delivering it to them in kind of a no BS way that mm. cuts through the weeds, answers mm. their questions, anticipates their questions, and then allows them to kind of go about their day, be fluent in these conversations, understand how the news impacts them, but in a way that's not like an undue amount of time that Mm. they have to dedicate towards like catching up. Like we kind of do the catching up for them. You got this targeted audience. I mean, at least it's pretty much targeting women. It's still staying for women. It's not broadened, has it? It's still women? Um, no, I mean, we certainly have a male audience, but it's predominantly women. And, women. The, and the frame of mind is women. So I don't remember now because it was a while ago when it started. But what was your um, pricing? Was it free content in the beginning and then you could just sample it? Was it a freemium model when you started? Um, it's still free. Uh, mm. We do not charge for the content. We're on an ad revenue model. So mm. basically, you know, as I was saying before, before we turned, turned the mics on, turned the recording devices on, um, it really started as just our co-founders, Carly and Danielle, really seeing a need for this in the marketplace um, that, you know, women felt like hmm. there wasn't a news product that spoke directly to them that did so in a concise way. Um, and so they created that product in a way that really served that audience need. 
audience grew really quickly organically and then they monetized from there. And so we are um, we have a couple other revenue streams, commerce being a significant and growing one of them. But our primary revenue stream is ad revenue. So basically within the body of our newsletters um, and other products, social, et cetera, Mm -hmm. uh, we have branded content from advertisers who return to us again and again because we, you know, based on the fact that we are serving an audience need, we have a really close relationship with our customer. Mm-hmm. Um, they really convert. Like our conversion rates for commerce, our conversion rates for advertisers are really through the roof. And so, um, you know, we kind of trade on that relationship we have with our audience to drive ad revenue. So do you, were you ever compared to Barstool, like the anti-Barstool huh. Barstool? That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. There are some things Barstool does right, like I'm not, not going to lie. Um, I don't know that anyone has ever compared us, compared us to Barstool. Right. This, is, this is probably a first. Yeah, there you go. Well, not, obviously not the same, but like a passionate audience who likes to hear mm-hmm. things through, through a certain voice. Yeah. And I yeah. think um, that that voice was kind of missing in the media you know like in the old days Gloria Steinem kind of did that it was kind of her idea Mm -hmm. with Miz but that wasn't general for women and it wasn't interpreting the news it was almost like a political call to action which I don't think was what you were talking about I mean I don't think the origins of this was a call to action no certainly not I mean we actually are pretty staunchly nonpartisan. we definitely have a call to action around like helping our readers take action to improve their lives but um, don't necessarily do that in like a political sense although Mm -hmm. we don't ignore the political and legislative process it was really more about the fact that like in order to be you know in order to get equity in this society on a variety of levels um women need to you know really contend with and understand the world around them and how it impacts them but all of the places when you know we launched 11 years ago that we're doing that we're not really explicitly for women it was like you get your news from nbc Mm. and you get your news from the times but not necessarily through the lens of like what do women specifically millennial women care about what are the news stories that are most important to them Mm -hmm. um knowing that they're time strapped and have enormous mental loads what is the best way to deliver that content in a way that resonates with them like there wasn't really anything doing that there were you know fashion and beauty brands that spoke specifically to women and the glamours and the teen vogues etc of the world Mm -hmm. um but not really in the news space not really in the news space julie i want to ask you a question because you you raise a really interesting point which is there's tons of information that's out there what is your I know you can't give away the secret sauce, but like what is the how, what's the algorithm that's curating what gets prioritized? What, how does this work? Is are this are people doing this? Is this some sort of tell me how how you get to these topics of wellness? Like what gets fitted in there and how does that information get chosen to be put on the skim? Yeah, so it depends on what category you're talking about. So for example, in the news category, like we just have a really excellent news team of news hounds who oh, are deeply educated on actual what's going people. on in the news. Yeah. People. Yes, actual people. <laughs> nice. Um, across a variety of, we're not run by robots yet. Um, yes. Across a variety of subject matters. And they are really the lens through which like they know our audience so well. Gotcha. They know the news so well. And they're able to say like, okay, we know our audience is really interested in this topic. Or we know that this topic will really impact our audience. Gotcha. Or like sometimes like telling them about stuff that they were, wouldn't necessarily naturally have interest in, Mm -hmm. but really need to know about um, and making sure that we're kind of like feeding the vegetables too, even if it's not necessarily a topic that our audience might naturally engage with just being like, Hey, like 
you need to know about the X, Y, and Z news story because it's going to impact your reproductive health. It's going to impact Ah. your finances, et cetera, et cetera. And then when it comes to categories like wellness, parenting, money, Mm. um, a lot of that is really like we, we spend a lot of time listening to our users about what their pain points are. And then like answering that call, right? So like we know in the wellness space that our audience feels like she's the only advocate for herself, um, is struggling with mental health, is struggling with sleep, is looking for access to experts advice, but doesn't necessarily have that access in her day-to-day life. So our wellness newsletter really serves that need with um, our ask an expert section where people can ask, like select a question that an, that an expert's going to answer. Uh, okay, so- in the money space, we know that our audience is looking for places for financial stability. So we're really focusing that on helping her build wealth. Got like it. we are responding more to audience needs, whereas mm-hmm. in the news space, it's it's kind of a different calculus. Yeah. So you're answering my question, which I was going to ask, but so let me ask it again, just to put some vocabulary on it. So I was, I was, I was wondering in a modern media company how much of old marketing ideas are preserved and some and where the lines are blurred. So there's in the old media company the difference between the news group and the media or the advertising salespeople there was like a wall between them and they weren't allowed to mm-hmm. talk to each other so that the the advertising salespeople never supposedly never um, um, had any influence on what made the headlines and what made the front page. You know, we're seeing being at a university now our donors are saying, like, if we give a lot of money, we need to have something to say in what goes on at the university. So I was wondering Mm. in these specialized media whether that Chinese wall, I think it used to be called, that separated out the marketing team from the news team, if you still have such a thing, or is that line blurred? That was one question. And then the other (laughs) one was what you answered, which was, I would imagine something that's as targeted to an audience as yours is, that you would want some co-creation. And it sounds like you do have that. You have a space for the audience to let you know what they're interested in so you can build news. Mm -hmm. I think you answered that co-creation question a little Mm -hmm. bit already. I don't know if you'd call it co-creation, so that would be my add to that. But then also about that Chinese wall. Yeah. So to the point about the kind of wall between sales and and content, let me just also clarify my role. I'm not on the sales side of house. So I oversee the editorial team, the social team, and then the comms and brand marketing function. So I'm coming at the sort of marketing function from the creative and editorial side of house. And like, how am I leading the editorial team? But also like, what big moments and issues and campaigns do we stand behind as a brand? And how do those ladder up to kind of like who we are as a company, separate from like an integrated marketing team, which would sit on the sales side of house. Interesting. As far as that wall, it very much still exists. Our sales team, you know, does not have any say over what content we're running in, in, you know, our news product, um, in our wellness, parenting, et cetera, newsletters. That said, in areas like money, parenting, wellness, there is a lot of overlap between the things that we want to cover naturally and that our audience is really interested in and the things that advertisers want to be next to. Mm. And so we're able to work a little bit more closely as far as saying like, hey, we're planning to do X, Y, and Z themed months around these particular topics, around building wealth, around debt, around mental health, around sleep. And the sales team can say like, oh, we have a lot of advertisers who would be next to that content, but 
like, we would love it if you could do that month in April instead of March. And we're like, doesn't make a difference to our audience when we're running that particular piece of content. They're not influencing what the content is. They're not influencing the subject matter. But in categories like those, there is just a natural fit between what our audience wants, what we want to do editorially, and what advertisers want to be next to. And so there's just a little bit more collaboration in the places where, without giving up any editorial control, we can be a little bit more Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I mean, they announced today, I think, a collaboration between Meta and Amazon, so that if you're on Instagram or Facebook, you know, you can access Amazon's uh, marketplace and start buying right away. I mean, that's why I asked you. I wonder if that's an out-of-date concept, you know, and maybe it's not with regard to hard news, but things like wellness and and health and things like that. It's not just that I want to know or want to listen to columnists. It is probably that mm-hmm. I want to make purchases. Yeah. And so having right. purchased... Yeah, they're so intertwined. Of, like yeah. commerce is so intertwined with wellness. Commerce is so intertwined with parenting. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think that there is... You know, another way that I like to think about it sometimes is like there, there are instances in which a sales team can make an editorial team's dream come true, right? Like... I might not have the budget to make, you know, the amazing wellness podcast that I want to make. But if they have an advertiser who's interested in sponsoring the editorial of a wellness pro- like podcast, that could fund the creation of a thing that just purely within my editorial budget, I wouldn't be able to make. Mm. And so I think that there is also that element of like, where are these synergies between editorial goals, advertiser goals, mm. and brand goals where, like, you can all make something together you're all proud of that serves the audience, that serves the brand, that serves the bottom line, um, rather than thinking of sales and, and edit as, yeah, like, enemies. I mean, like, they can work together to create awesome I stuff. Think, I do think that's a more modern approach. It's very different than this Chinese wall, and I don't mm-hmm. think it was allowed in the past. Except magazines used to do it, like mm-hmm. Vogue, I'm sure, you know, worked yeah. with the fashion designers and things like that. Yeah. But I think if well, you're even, trans- like, I started at Condé Nast early in my career, and it was like, oh, Tommy Hilfiger's advertising with us? Well, they're probably going to get some editorial placement right, right. in more of the fashion shoots, right. like... Right. Like, you know, that is, uh, you know, something that's... Quid pro quo, yeah. Yeah. And I I think what I was going to say about that is I think that the consumer slash reader is fine with that as long as you're transparent. Mm -hmm. I don't think they like the idea of having wool pulled over their eyes, you know, or something like that. I think if there's... And nowadays, like you see in media, like little asterisks or something that say the the media company gets some money if you buy... You know, we choose what we want, but we do get some kind of money if you buy off our page or something right. like that. Yeah, yeah um, that transparency is important. Yeah, yeah I think that's To your really question important. about audience co-creation, mm-hmm. um, we, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say we co-create content with our audience, but we do have a really amazing relationship with our audience in that, like, I've been through, you know, various women's media brands um, over my career, and I've never seen a relationship with an audience like this one where our audience is so willing and excited to talk to us, to answer our questions, to share about her life with us, et cetera, et cetera. And that can net like kind of user generated content or co-creation in an interesting way. So for example, we had this state of women study that we released this year with the Harris poll um, with 4,500 women talking about the state of their lives, their finances, their relationships, et cetera. And our audience shared so much information about her life with us. And we did use some of that to turn that into content, whether that was on social, whether that was 
on our website, whether that is in newsletters. Um, they're just these areas where our audience wants to vent to us, mm. wants to share what's going on in her life. And then we like take up the mantle of helping her. So for example, um, you know, as part of our state of women study, we found that 80 some percent of women really want their male partners to step up. And so we took that. <laughs> Wait, data make that 88%. <laughs> what about the other 13%? Darn it. Hold on. Wait a second. Um, those people are, they have female partners probably. And so, like, oh, ouch. Um, and so we said, oh, we're hearing this from our audience. So we put a call out on social and said, like, what's something you want to say to your male partner? What is something that your male partner can do to step up around the holidays, et cetera? Mm. Got hundreds of responses because our audience just thinks we're her best friend and wants Mm -hmm. to share with us. And then we turned that into a social asset of like, you know, share this with a man. Here are eight things that male partners can do to step up to help lighten their partner's mental load on the holidays and turn that into an Instagram carousel that was highly performing. So because of this relationship we have, our audience is so willing to share with us Uh and our audience is so eager to hear what her peers in our audience set is is experiencing. We will turn that into sort of user-generated content um, that's really about like shedding light on what these women are experiencing and, mm-hmm. and showing solidarity with them and transparency. Mm-hmm. And that content performs exceedingly well for us. Wow, Julie, that's so interesting. And I wish we had more time, but thank you so much for joining us today. So where can our listeners thank go to find that? Where, how do they find out about the skim? Where, where do they go? Um, yeah, you can go to the skim.com where you can subscribe to all of our newsletters, yep. daily skim, skim money, skim well, skim parenting. Yep. You can follow us um, at the skim on Instagram and TikTok. Yep. Um, you can follow our co-founders at Carly and Danielle on Instagram. Um, and you can listen to our podcast nine to five ish anywhere podcasts Excellent. are found. And listeners, wow. that's skim with two M's. S-K-I-M-M. Yes. So, S-K-I-M-M. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much, Julie. We really appreciate it. Thank you. you so much. Excellent. And we'd like to thank our producers, Dion Simkins and Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We replay our show several times throughout the week. You can follow us on X at SXM Marketing. You can follow Business Radio at SXM Business. And you can look at Wharton, Knowledge at Wharton, to find our podcast. Thank you for all, all for listening today. We'll be back next week. Till then. This has been Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with America's Read, Business Radio, Sirius XM 132.